0: Hello, hello, beautiful people. Melissa Waggy here. We are listening to WSQF 94.5 FM radio here in Key Biscayne. And I'm super excited. We're bringing you the Epic Talks radio show. And I have an amazing guest here today, the one and only Edward Collins. Edward, thank you so much for being here. It's
1: definitely a pleasure. Thank you, Melissa, for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You know, to be honest with you, you've been one of my favorite humans ever since I met you. <laughs> You're and kind, very uh, kind. thankfully, to Epic <laughs> Talks, we met, and uh, we've shared some mm-hmm. awesome moments, entrepreneur entrepreneur moments, and great advice I get from you. And You're a serial entrepreneur and have multiple businesses, so I wanted to dive a little bit into that, but give us a quick uh, introduction of who is Edward Collins.
1: Well, I think you you hit the nail right on the head. I think the best way to describe me is I'm a serial entrepreneur. I uh, own and operate multiple businesses. I've built and scaled them up to and through six and seven figures each over the course of the past two and a half decades. I spend a lot of my time now, uh, I've essentially been quasi-retired for about seven years or so. So I spent most of my time now just helping other business owners do the same thing, create financial freedom in their lives.
0: That's that's amazing. You've given me some of like the best advice I've ever received and it's all about implementation. You even it told really me is. you even told me when you first started you were kind of like, you know, still finding your way cuz that's what entrepreneurs do. We don't get a bl- blueprint on how to do things.
1: No. Definitely <laughs> <You> not. Kind
0: of <laughs> go go and roll with the punches, right?
1: Absolutely. I, uh, we were talking before the show started just about education and the challenges in education and if you look at the American school system, we're not really Given any financial literacy at all, I mean, I think DeSantis here in, in Florida is trying to do, trying to change some of that with regard to financial literacy, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm still curious to see how that's going to evolve. But ultimately, if you look across the country, there's just a lack of financial literacy at all, like Definitely. whether that's understanding money, understanding. Um, how to even file your own taxes and let alone build a business. I mean, you can go to business school and learn from individuals who only know about what happens in books and not really learn from people who are actually doing it.
0: I definitely want to dive deep into the whole tax conversation in just a couple of minutes because you are so knowledgeable and you are one of those people that I know hates the IRS. I I hate (laughs) the entire
2: government actually, but but yeah, bingo.
1: I get to finally say something.
0: (laughs) Um, So how did you get started in business? Um, what was the driving factor? Yeah.
1: Well, um, I know it's kind of strange, but my entrepreneurial journey actually started really young, like uh, summer after second grade. Um, I, uh, I I didn't come from a wealthy family. So my, my family, we all had to struggle really hard just to get up to the poverty line. <clears throat> and that just meant we lacked in everything. So yeah. I'm fifth to six kids. I have two older brothers, two older sisters, and one younger sister. Um, I lost my father when I was 13, and my mother passed away when I was a senior in in university. Wow. But growing up our entire lives, the only thing we didn't lack in was love. Like, my mom, like, her heart was just, like, the the universe, the size of the universe. I just got
0: goosebumps you saying that. I didn't know that. Yeah, so
1: I can uh, remember—this was in the summer of second grade. I can remember going to my mom and asking her for a toy that I saw on TV, and my mom— my mom had two challenges. One, she would say things with a lack of, uh, an under, lack of understanding around money, like her. Mm-hmm. The, the initial response on anything we ever asked for was, "No, we can't afford it." So mm-hmm. that sense of lack was <clears throat> imbued in us at, like literally at birth.
3: Uh-huh. But
1: the one really great trait my mom had is she would always follow that statement up with, "If you want it bad enough, figure out how to get it." Mm. so we know we can't afford it but if you want it bad enough figure out how to get it and i can That's, remember
2: that sounds like the immigrant story it
1: really is it really <laughs> is and but i i, I can remember mm-hmm. this i'm going to date myself i was watching an episode of dennis the menace <laughs> right and i he was um he uh was running a lemonade stand and i'm like well i want this toy i could do the same thing so i i opened a lemonade stand across the street from my house in my neighborhood I actually made money in in that day. It wasn't a lot of money, but I did something that was really not smart with the money. I took all the money I made and I went and I bought candy with it. I didn't even <laughs> save it for the toy I had wanted, right? But but here's where the thing the, the story that gets mind interesting. mind
2: of ours, yeah,
1: right. But the, the story got interesting because um, I essentially shared most of that candy with all my friends, mm. and they were asking me, "Well, how did I get the candy?" And I said, "Well, I have this lemonade stand, and I recruited a bunch of my friends to work lemonade stands." with me all around the neighborhood so i basically started a lemonade stand
2: franchise
1: exactly and uh i would make the lemonade i would deliver the lemonade around town uh how old
0: were you when you did that that
1: was i was about seven years old
0: wow that's amazing yeah
1: and um it was interesting because that that's when i started to realize that i loved the concept of making money i Mm. I loved what money was i mean i took my path took a lot of detours along the way Mm. as i as i grew up (laughs) i Eventually, I, I became a newspaper delivery boy. And then I started selling newspaper subscriptions door to door. I worked at a gas station. I mean, I did a lot of different things. Uh-huh. Um, but I, in my high school years, I fell in love with this thought of eventually becoming an FBI agent. Uh-huh. So and I was so like in love with it that I I made a decision regarding university with regard to that. I was a double major in history and in psychology. I picked up a minor in political science and a certificate. <laughs> In well, government service and administration.
0: What was that pivotal moment where you were you were like I want to be an FBI agent because selling lemonade and then know, know. working at a it gas was, station. And it like, was
1: completely a, a, a weird. Were you thing. watching a show or yeah, something? Yeah, I was. I, I was watching a movie, um, and I just fell in love with the concept of tr- like trying to help people. Mm. I think that was what, what the driver driving factor was. And I was also uh, intrigued with the concept of military and maybe uh, doing uh-huh. like a military academy type of thing, um, and. I, I eventually, when I graduated from university, I, I my my passion was so in tune with the FBI that I actually went and I started working for the government. I worked for the United States Department of Justice, and uh, I learned really quickly that I hate the government. <laughs> like I, I, you'd be pretty hard pressed to find someone that dislikes the government more than me. Uh, I, I'm very vocal about it because again, what, I just think so there's why, so many why, challenges.
0: Tell me why is it that you hated so much?
1: So. Um, the area of law that I worked – not in the law, but the area of the government that I worked in at the time um, was uh, INS. So DOJ, INS, the Immigration Naturalization Service. I was in political asylum there. And uh, without getting into too much because
0: yeah, – Go a, ahead. It's <laughs>
1: I'm enjoying it, you, man.
0: You're, you're, you're speaking right up as alley. Uh,
1: right here. down my so, alley. Please yeah. give me uh, more talk, talk. I eventually talk. came up with a methodology for us to improve the operations mm. within government. And I can – I basically pushed this thing live that I created – um, on a uh, on a Tuesday and by Wednesday I had eliminated like 60 to 70 jobs. And I that morning, Wednesday morning, the next day, um, my boss's boss's boss, walked into my office. And, I, and I, literally, it was my boss's boss's boss you walked You purposely
0: into my eliminated those jobs? I didn't, or, I didn't, no, I, I
1: proposed didn't it. it yeah. You proposed okay. it. No, I actually pushed this system live. So I was tasked with doing this thing. Okay. Um, and I did it. Okay. <laughs> like, I actually solved the they problem. They asked
2: you to do something, you did it. Okay. Exactly. And, and then they shot it down.
1: <laughs> and, but the challenge is this. It, this is when I learned that government is fundamentally broken. Because my boss's boss's boss walked into my office and said to me, literally walked in and said these words. Ed, the next time you have a bright idea, keep it to yourself. She then turned around, and before she made it out of my office, I made a decision. I was resigning. And what's interesting is, like, the reason that occurred is because in government, budget is power. Yes. And if you don't I, spend
2: it, they take it, it from it, you the next 100%. year.
1: hundred percent. So when I eliminated these jobs, based on where the fiscal year was at the time, there was no way for her to make that money up. Like it was just not going to be possible. She wouldn't be able to hire enough people. One, one because those jobs didn't exist anymore.
2: Yeah, including and possibly hers.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, good point. Yeah, I, I just learned that that government is not about fixing problems. It's almost about like like creating band aids and oh. then creating more problems to put more band aids on mm. because they can charge twenty nine thousand dollars per band aid and, that's and yeah. expand the federal
2: government exactly. that way.
1: So I, I just I learned that I didn't like government. And I handed him my resignation that day, that was Wednesday, without a plan B. But I had always had this love of money. I always had this love of concept of understanding how money worked. And I started going around the state of New Jersey, because I'm born and raised in New Jersey. Um, I started going around to local libraries and doing workshops to teach people how to budget. That's how I got started telling other people about money. And uh, at one of the workshops, a, a gentleman came up to me afterwards and um, at the time, I was really struggling with my own money because I wasn't making it. I think I was charging like $5 to attend this. Wow. <laughs> this yeah, but you were workshop. doing a
2: beautiful public service. I, yes.
1: I was, I was, but it was costing me like $4.50 per person to attend because I was buying food and coffee yeah, and yeah. stuff. And uh, this guy came up to me afterwards and asked if I, he could buy me lunch the next day. And I said, absolutely, 100% yes, because I'm hungry. <laughs> and um, he introduced me. He said, Have you ever thought about getting involved in financial services? And I said, No, I never really gave that any consideration. Um, I did a lot of due diligence, thought about it, <clears throat> investigated it, and I started my first financial planning practice as an adult in 1998.
0: And that was like your first uh, entrepreneurial first, first
1: business as an adult. But
2: gotcha. you also came with a lot of gravitas because you were already an attorney.
1: Um, well, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a lawyer yet. so. um I, I when I went into DOJ, I was just a double major. Oh, that's at, why I, I thought you university. were an attorney already. Not yet, okay. not yet. So, um, but I had I had thought I was going to go into law eventually because I, again, I had a lot of different. Oh, no, you're in my a head. smart guy. You can um, do these things. <laughs> well, I don't know about smart, but I, I, I at least I at least get by. Least I, was get being by. I was giving
2: attorneys credit for for, for Christ's sake. well, <laughs> well I've,
1: I've been in law school and I've sat down next to a lot of people who I would not categorize as smart. So yeah, um, God, I'm
2: so happy. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 that deserves. <laughs> Standing (laughs) ovation.
1: Yeah, so when you when you look at it, like that journey that I was on, I had I basically ventured into this brand new field, which was financial services and understanding the markets, et cetera. And I was still relatively young. I didn't have a natural network because I I didn't come from money, so I didn't really like rub shoulders with people with money. Uh So I was the poor kid
0: Uh and
3: young, and I'm
1: like I'm supposed to now tell people how to deal with their finances. So I, I made a decision that I was going to really learn everything I possibly could about the markets and understand how portfolios worked and how stock market and bond market, et cetera, worked.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But the ch- and I did. I, I learned a ton. Like I, I, I absolutely do consider myself to be an expert in that area. Um, and I became an expert pretty quickly because that's all I did. Mm-hmm. Almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I just studied and read and, and just learned everything I could. But- the one thing I didn't learn was how to run a business.
0: Okay. <laughs> and like Need the, payroll. Yeah.
1: To, to do anything with regard to business, and it's almost as if there was a book that exists out there that tells you exactly what not to do. I ended up doing everything on those pages <laughs> because I made pretty much every mistake that could be made when it comes to business. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think there's a mistake that could be made that I didn't make. And the first four years of that that business was an absolute failure. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I didn't fail out is because I'm really stubborn. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, really. And I, I didn't make any money those first four years. Uh, in fact, I went into debt. I was in debt to the tune of north of $252,000. Mm-hmm. Um, at my low point, um, and, and again, let me, let me put, preface this. I think everyone has their own definition of what a low point is. And I'm not in any way trying to compare my low point with anyone else's. Uh-huh.
2: You know what my low point is? falling out of a pickup truck hitting <laughs> rock bottom. Yeah. So some people actually
1: oh, to yeah. the ground. Oh yeah. And that's physically
2: my situation. Fifty yep. miles an hour, laying on my head in bed for a year.
1: Not not a good situation. That's mm-hmm. called rock bottom boys. Yeah quite literally quite here, literally. Yeah. And then I get to
2: be <laughs> with Melissa Wallie after all that. After getting up out of the coma, all right?
1: Yeah. So okay, so yeah. once
0: you hit that rock so bottom
1: So for my rock bottom I was I was more than two hundred and fifty two thousand dollars in debt. I had um at, the, at that low point, I had 17 credit cards, I had seven personal loans, and I had a cu- bunch of loans from fr- family and friends, um, all of which were more than 60 days past due. And I, it was a Tuesday morning. I woke up uh, uh, around 6 a.m. or so is when I got up. I was getting ready for work, and about 6.11 or so, so they, uh, someone knocked on my door. And I went, opened my apartment door, and there was two gentlemen standing in front of my door, and they were there to take my car they were repossessing my car and i can it was very surreal i can remember like the guys standing there they're saying words to me it was like muffled sounds like i could barely hear and understood what was going on but i eventually they had a clipboard i remember signing my name on the clipboard handing them the key i remember them putting my car on the flatbed and driving away and then i can remember like turning around um to walk back into my apartment i walked past um like, I had a kitchenette. I couldn't even call it a kitchen. It was like uh-huh. a kitchenette, and I had this little round table. Um, on the round table were piles of envelopes. And all, all bills. Most, most of them unopened, because I knew what was in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. it was, there were past due notices. I was about to be evicted from my apartment, and I walked past this little table with all the envelopes on it and into my bathroom, and I looked at myself right in the mirror, and I just said, Edward, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Because whatever I was doing was wrong.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, at that point in time... Up until that moment, I had probably the largest ego because I did really, really well in school without ever trying.
0: Yeah.
1: Like I was just academically gifted and I thought that that made me smart. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Um, But there's a big difference between real world intelligence and like academic intelligence. And in that moment, something clicked in my head where I was actually able to essentially just leave my ego in that bathroom. Because when I left the bathroom, I had finally been able to now make a decision that I would reach out to other people who had gotten through or had attained levels <laughs> of success to which I aspired. Yeah, And then I just started making those outreaches, asking questions. And I still couldn't afford a lot. So I came up with a lot of different hacks of figuring out how to get myself into the right room. Like, one of the hacks I can, I can remember, I was talking about this with uh, another uh, gentleman, probably... Within the past month, we were talking about like our start and like getting getting things going. I can remember like not having any money to go to any like business conferences or like like I because I was still in ridiculous amount of debt. But I I figured out this hack where if you know where the conferences are being held, Mm -hmm. you can go to those hotels and just hang out at the bar because everyone at the conference eventually makes their way to the bar. Uh And then you could start conversations with people and you could just act as if you were in the conference. Like, oh man, how did you like that last speaker? What did you take most away from it? And I would just listen. And pretty much anything anyone told me to do, who I believed to have been at a level that was way above me, I just started literally doing exactly what they said. And uh, within the first year, I- um, Talk
2: about artificial intelligence. Yeah, (laughs) quite quite literally, quite literally.
1: (laughs) And um,
0: How old were you at this point?
1: Uh, This was in 2002, Um, so I was uh, 23-ish, somewhere around there, 24. You were still um, super young. Yeah, I was definitely young, but I can remember um, that that next year, once I started actually getting mentors in my life and actually doing what they were telling me to do, I had broken even for the first time. Like I made no money, but I didn't lose money.
2: <laughs> so No, you were I was, able to pay back your debts I was, too.
1: I was on top of top of the world because by the end of the second year after I learned this stuff, I literally had paid off all my debt. So I was in an environment where I I was actually making real money.
0: Did uh, you did you go to like did you get any books, or did you just learn from mentors?
1: It was it was a combination of things. It was definitely still bookstores, because this is before Google, uh, before YouTube, before the whole concept of podcasts. There was definitely radio shows, but no, yeah, no radio shows that? as good as this one. They weren't as good as this one. But... Um, yeah, I would I would go to bookstore stores, pick up different books. On... Any any
0: top three books that you can remember that you can share right now?
1: Oh, uh, the Richest Man of Bob- Babylon is definitely a, a primal force there. Let's um, write that down. <laughs> I would say that um, the Millionaire Next Door uh, by Thomas Stanley was also interesting. Although I don't agree with a lot of what is in there now because I've learned a lot more since then, uh, but it def- definitely transformed myself. How to Win Friends and Influence People Mm -hmm. um, was uh, a pivotal book that I I picked up because, again, what I was focused on so much before that time was just learning about the markets um, but not learning how to actually connect with other people and how to build relationships because the reality is your net worth is your network. Mm -hmm. And I did not know how to build my own network at the time. But I learned and I started implementing things. I built up that practice um, and that practice I still own. Uh, it's evolved a few times in the past couple decades, but we're uh, we're now in 27 states. We that's have amazing. we serve business owners all over the country,
0: and this is teaching them about taxes, budgeting. So, or...
1: so that company that that's a private wealth management firm. Yes. So okay. uh, we do portfolio work, we do financial planning work, um, estate planning, business planning, things of that nature. But since then, I've added other companies that have complementary services. Like we have a tax firm that does mm-hmm. tax preparation work because I was Learning that all these business owners were ridiculously paying their taxes, mm-hmm. um, overpaying, uh, overpaying to the tune of ridiculous numbers. Because what, what's interesting is is the vast majority of business owners. Um, it's the, this. The statistic is more than nine out of ten, to the tune of ninety three percent of business owners overpay their taxes every year. And that's not according to Edward Collins. It's according to Forbes. They actually did the work the, to really do all the analysis. And the this is even if you have a high priced accountant. Because they determined that having an accountant on your team was irrelevant to whether or not you paid a lot of taxes. Because most accountants spend all of their time, effort, and energy just trying to figure out how to best tell the IRS what's already happened.
0: So with your company, they do everything for yeah, you. They so, make sure you're protected. Yeah, they make we sure do
1: everything uh, soup okay. to nuts because we evolved. So the the accounting firm was the first thing uh, that was complementary to the the private wealth management firm. Then... We opened a fractional CFO company because then I was also learning that these business owners didn't really understand their numbers Mm -hmm. and they were making decisions without really understanding (laughs) the financial implication of those decisions. Um, And then my newest project um, is a a ecosystem where we essentially coach business owners from from ground up, meaning if you're a six-figure business owner, how to become a seven-figure business owner. If you're a seven-figure business owner, how to go to eight figures, et cetera. And- the reality is it's, there's a science behind it, and I've spent the majority of the past two and a half decades learning all of the science, understanding how to do it. I've practiced my with myself first. I, I always put those tools and techniques into my practice within my own life. Once I know that it works, then I start telling other business owners how to do it.
0: And what's the name of that company? That's Uplevel Entrepreneur. Oh, okay, that's yeah. the podcast that you yeah. have.
1: So, so under Uplevel <laughs> Entrepreneur, we do a podcast. Uh, that's Entrepreneur Unleashed. Um, we have educational classes that we give away for free on YouTube as well um, and then we have coaching programs we have courses um, and then we have this integrated service where we, we teach you all the what's, we show you all the how's and then we help you implement it because that's where a lot of, lot of the guidance is so falls needed. short Yeah, because I, I could teach you all the strategy yeah. <laughs> but then you're left to try to do I, it on I your own I've got
2: to lay ball. in because this happened just very yeah. recently and please forgive my uh,
0: make it quick <laughs> that's the, that's the
2: problem. If you look right here, you see Sponduli. This kid is you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The lemonade kid is this kid. He's yeah. now a freshman in college. But in Gulliver, he created a teaching program mm-hmm. using stock market simulator. Mm-hmm. Turned it into a game
3: mm-hmm. where you
2: borrow from the bank, you make trades, and you your your credit score goes up or down, mm-hmm. or you go bust. Mm-hmm. And you get a degree at the end mm-hmm. that is already accredited to college.
1: Yeah, so and it's he, called
2: Sponduli.
1: Yeah, he's he's basically gamified the learning process, and any type of gamification at, goes a long way because we're yeah, it speaks we're,
2: that language of the kid. Yeah, we're
1: we're we're creatures of dopamine, mm-hmm. really. So if you can gamify anything, mm-hmm. you can incentivize action toward that event. So if you're you're keeping track uh, at home. Um, Anything in life that you want to accomplish, just figure out how to gamify it, and you'll get it done. Because this you... kid is
2: mastering this; it's unbelievable. Yeah. And the and the schools pay per head. Oh yeah, he gets a license agri- uh, agreement signed. Obviously, mm-hmm. the private schools hasn't hit public school yet, but mm-hmm. private schools pay per head that they charge the parents, and he yeah. gets a piece of what they charge the parent.
1: Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, financial literacy is definitely a goal that every parent should have for that their mean, children. It
0: gets to be in schools, yeah. you know. I, I'm still learning about financial literacy. I, mm-hmm. I I had no clue at one point, you know. And I'm still like, am I m- making the right decisions? Uh, i be honest with you, I don't even know how to properly budget. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, where do I even go and find a book that says, okay, if you're making this, uh, this amount of money – this is how much you should be spending and all that stuff you know well, I think so- a lot of
1: things boil down to just fundamentals mm-hmm. like if you so I have a lot of different frameworks in what I teach because I think frameworks are amazing uh-huh. like you have, if you have a framework for something you can get it done so um, if you boil anything in life down to fundamental principles regarding money, you will almost always make the right decision mm-hmm. and so what I mean by that is first and foremost you need to understand your definitions. I have extremely basic definitions of things like when I say something is an asset, I have a very basic definition of that. An asset for me is anything you control. You don't necessarily need to even own it, but anything you control which generates cash flow for you. Because okay. if it doesn't generate cash flow for you, to, under my definition, it is not an asset. Okay. Now, there are a ton of CPAs out there probably listening to this that saying, Edward, you're ridiculous. That's wrong. There are a ton of bankers that, Edward, that's wrong. But trust me, it's worked for me for two and a half decades, worked for thousands of business owners that I've helped educate about that. If you go into every understanding of an asset with it being a cash flow producing item, Mm. you will not go wrong. Because the opposite of that is a liability. A liability is anything that takes cash flow from you. Mm -hmm. Again, most people, like the example I I often ask is how many people would say that their largest asset is the home they live in? The vast majority of people would raise their hand if I asked that Mm -hmm. question, but- I do not believe, under my definition, that your primary residence in which you live is an asset.
0: Because it's constantly taking money from you. It's taking from money you.
1: from you, right? You can say it,
2: that's yeah. the same for the car.
1: And exactly.
2: You really don't the own car is costing you money, know, but you need it, but you, it's costing you money. Yeah. Now,
1: <laughs> I, I get a lot of realtors who disagree with that, but I mean, you have to what's the motivation behind where their position <laughs> is? So, um, but if, if you start with that fundamental principle, an asset is something that you control that generates cash flow, and a liability is anything that takes money from you. Then you can start to make choice. And if you understand that if you're trading your time for dollars, so if you're a traditional individual out in the workplace and you're exchanging the time you have, which is quite literally your most valuable thing, uh, your time and attention, if you're trading that for dollars, my position is that you should never use those dollars to buy a liability, like ever. Mm. If you were trading your most valuable thing to get a dollar, mm-hmm. you should never buy a liability because it's gonna just take more of your dollars from you. Mm-hmm. So if any any time you're trading time to get dollars, you should figure out how can you use those dollars to acquire an asset.
2: Mm-hmm. So if
1: that's that mm-hmm. becomes your game plan then. So gamification, right? So you
2: thin, you the thin slice th- the mentality
1: of the CEO. Something that's going to exactly. create
0: passive income for something you. Something that's like... going to
1: create any type of cash flow that okay. you control. Like
0: a multifamily right. home.
1: What, what other businesses? Uh-huh. Okay. Even even your existing business. Let's say you're a business owner that's getting started. Like you, you figure out one line of income, one, one, one stream of income within that business. You double down on it. Make uh, you scale. Go th- go through the process of getting even more revenue. Then, once you've perfected that, then you can start to go laterally, add additional lines of, of revenue um, within that business. Acquire other complementary businesses. Th- mm-hmm. th- then acquire businesses that are that are d- more for diversification purposes. Um, I'm extremely biased. I believe businesses are the best asset to acquire um, across the board. I know that some people will say, well, no, no, real estate is. Well, if you operate real estate the right way, that is a business. So the fundamental principle is own as ma- many businesses as you possibly can large businesses that, that produce lots of revenue for you, figure out the systems so that they work for the, for you instead of you working for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but most business owners unfortunately will make or have made the exact same mistake that I made when I got started. I did not really own a business. I owned a job.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: the reality is I, I owned a lot of jobs. I wore a ridiculous amount of hats in the, the, the first business that I built. Um, and that's what caused me, I think, Along, along with a lot of lack of financial literacy, still at that point in my life, um, to make so many of the mistakes that I made, which kept me down, and and it, it's a, it's amazing how quickly your life can change when your perspective changes. Mm-hmm. Because if your belief structure is is shifted, you can you can move yourself in a direction that otherwise you never would have gone. Plus, are
0: you planning to take uh, your programs into schools?
1: So we've we've been thinking about that. We're actually working on. Um, an environment for young entrepreneurs right now, mm. like teaching them some entrepreneurial principles, because again, mm-hmm. I think that that's just generally a lack. I've yeah. been approached by a university to do a similar thing for university students um, with regard to financial literacy and entrepreneurship. I think
0: it should start in high school. You know, well, quite
1: frankly, it should start as soon as the child old enough to to say the word "asset." I mean, my, my son Ryan, my daughter Victoria, they, they both understand these principles. Like, if you ask Ryan what's an asset, he'll literally tell you what an asset is. So you That's ask awesome. him what a liability is, he'll tell you that. And if you ask him for examples. And how old is he? Uh, Ryan's nine. Victoria's seven.
0: That's great. Um,
1: but we – so we've we've basically – my wife and I, Arena and I, have basically decided that, you know what – We're not going to fall into the the trap that most people fall into with money being a taboo. Mm -hmm. Because for most people, talk
0: about it. Yeah, Yeah. most
1: people won't talk about it at all. Mm -hmm. They they they'll talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll before talking about (laughs) understanding what challenges businesses have.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, and that's. The discussions around money are, are going to serve your children way longer than any other discussion you could, Absolutely. You could ever have.
0: I have Nick Sarnacola, mm-hmm. our, yep. our mutual friend. He teaches his kids, and they're uh, six and eight, I yep. believe. Yeah, exactly. Know? So let me ask you, if you were to lose everything today,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what would you do in the first 30 days to rebuild?
1: Um, find out how to connect with as many people as I possibly can. And because you would do it's that connection. by? Oh, attending events like Epic Talks. <laughs> um uh, networking events are, are definitely the, – the right networking events, mm-hmm. let me say that. The right networking events are definitely a, uh, a, an amazing way to invest your time.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I, I, I said it earlier that time is your most valuable commodity. I can prove it to you, right? Mm-hmm. So here, here's the proof. Melissa, if, if I were to write you a check right now mm-hmm. for $10 million mm-hmm. and I guarantee it will cash, how would you feel?
3: I'm um, literally. I'm
1: going to write it. I have. I have my. Check I mean, book. how I would, would you
0: feel? W- I would feel excited, but I would want to know, like, why are you doing this?
1: Yeah. So my next statement is: I'll give you the check, but you're not able to wake up tomorrow.
0: Oh, I wouldn't take it.
1: Right? No. Why? Because waking up is way more worth way more to you than ten million dollars is. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Absolutely.
1: Every second you have of life is infinitely valuable.
0: Mm.
1: Infinitely valuable. But we often struggle so often with. Dealing with trading the the infinitely valuable commodity we have, which is time, for a finite valuable commodity, which is a fiat currency, and our our system of currency here in the United States is ridiculously or broken. material
2: things, material yeah.
1: things like cars, houses, um, stuff in general. Like we, like my family and I, we went through our bouts where we loved stuff, we, uh-huh. we collected and gathered stuff all the time, but we've gotten to a point now where we're at such a level of financial freedom that stuff really doesn't matter anymore. And I, I'm truly blessed in that. And I'm not trying to, to say, oh, stuff is horrible, but it just isn't <laughs> as important to us anymore. Mm-hmm. So we even we don't even give each other physical gifts anymore. Like we, we The gifts that we give each other are gifts of experience. Mm, so like we that. Go, it reminds
2: me of my father. He, uh, we used to not celebrate birthdays. Exactly. My father would say, why are we celebrating a birthday? It's only a reminder of the things you did not accomplish mm-hmm. this last year. Yeah. No, no more candles I, mean, I, I, I
0: don't know if i would look at it that yeah, like nothing has meaning but the I, meaning you give it right? yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly so for me a birthday's a celebration of life and i'll be partying the entire month it's <laughs> my birthday every, every
1: day that ends in y is a good day to celebrate <laughs> there you All go right?
0: absolutely so let me ask you um what has been your biggest challenge in business and how did you overcome it
1: mm. uh, there are so many challenges in business i think other than the ones that we've already talked about, uh-huh. I think one of the biggest challenges is getting As, the right team in place.
0: Uh, there you go. As you're yeah. growing, you're going to experience yeah. new devils, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a true believer in that. And um, exactly, getting a, an amazing team. Yeah. How, and how do you get an amazing team? How do you vet it, them?
1: It starts off with culture, right? If you're mm. if you're a business owner, the job of establishing culture is your job. Your job is to set the right understanding amongst the team. Like I I, I do a lot of uh, media now. I do a lot of publication. We are on all the different so- social media channels. I just did a, a post recently, and it was talking about the former um, uh, president of Netflix, and he mm-hmm. was he was discussing what Netflix's policy was with regard to their uh, workforce, and he had an amazing way to frame this. He basically said that. We never talk about our, our, our employees as being part of our family. We never talk about everyone being part of the family. And so many business owners actually do that. They, they say, oh, we're a family here. We, we care about one another. And he said, no, no. We, we talk about ourselves being a professional sports team. Mm. Every member of the, the must the, win. Every member needs to be an A player. Because if, if I, as the business owner, am hiring someone and who's constantly going downfield dropping the ball. I have two priorities. The first thing I need to do is I need to figure out how to coach that player up because that is the number one responsibility. If you're hiring someone, you're investing in them, you have to figure out can I coach them up and then try to coach them up. But if they're unable to be coached up, then your next priority is to figure out how to coach them out. So you either coach up or coach out. Hey, you
2: can't really cure the fumble. Exactly. If the person drops the ball, he's got to go.
1: Right. So your job then as a business owner is to, to help everyone understand that they all must be A players. And if they want to stay on the team, they have to continually stay an A player status.
2: That's a Jimmy Johnson uh, mantras. Exactly. Uh, he taught. University of Miami players how to win mm-hmm. in late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And he read a book called The Flow. Mm. And I don't want to n- mention the author's name because I can't pronounce it. It has like 20-something <laughs> letters in the – I believe he was uh, like a Turkish last name. Mm-hmm. And he believes that there's something that we all know about each other on a team. Mm-hmm. We look at each other in the eyes that we've revisited this before mm-hmm. late in the fourth quarter, and we can do this. And that's those are those miracle – UM teams that would be down 15, yep. 20 exactly. points and win,
1: and yeah. mindset goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So if you're instilling in your team the right mindset, you're mm-hmm. constantly cultivating the right <clears throat> belief system, the right values. Um,
0: They're going to follow the leader. They,
1: they will. <laughs> I mean, your job as as the the boat captain, if you will, is to be at the bow of the boat. Your mm-hmm. nose is in the fog, right? That's how um, uh, our friend uh, talks about it. Um, when when when. Uh, Nick Sarnacola basically he, he he does these uh, Wednesday workshops yeah, with, yeah. with business growth owners. Yeah, growth Wednesdays. Yeah, are yeah. amazing. Yeah, um, he he gave this one analogy once that I love. That if if you're the leader, you're standing on the bow of the boat, and your nose has to be in the fog. So even though you can't see, mm-hmm. you need to be the one po- I'm getting pointing that direction. As you're forward. saying
0: that, and it's um, the truth.
1: It really is. And yeah. as a business owner, you have so many different responsibilities. But your number one responsibility is figuring out how to work on the business, Mm -hmm. not necessarily in in the the business.
0: business, Yes,
1: and that's where I made so many mistakes in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I was working in the business.
2: Yeah, micromanaging. I was. I feel like I'm.
0: I'm still making mistakes like that. You know, I'm. I'm still learning how to uh, navigate the ship. But with my team, like I encourage them. Mm -hmm. I. You know, say words of affirmation, positivity, mm-hmm. where, you know, we're going to get through this. We get to accomplish this. We get to win, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's motivation, um, but the the one characteristic I think is more important is discipline. Mm-hmm. Because you can motivate someone, but at the end of the day, if they're not disciplined to stick with it,
3: yeah.
2: they'll drop happens. the ball. <laughs> nothing Absolutely. happens. Now, um, to add to your scaling of the business, sure. do you believe that the scaling of the business also permits? natural occurrences, unfortunate occurrences you cannot predict and therefore fund what seems to be something very negative, but you can overcome it, it just arose, it wasn't really your fault, I mean, but if you don't have the cash flow, you can't even overcome the loss of a mistake or something that happened, unpredicted.
1: Yeah, I think, again, it all boils down to fundamental principles, so if, if you're making a decision to do anything, it has to be based on real information. So many business owners try to go with their gut or I feel it's time to expand, I feel it's time to hire this this person, or I, I think I need this, et cetera. But they don't actually do the analysis. But if you do the analysis and if, if you if you say, okay, I'm not going to make a decision anymore based on feelings, I'm only going to make it based on data, I think mm-hmm. for the most part you're actually going to be better served doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, it's really hard to do because we're emotional creatures. Um, but it, it, the, the reality is scale in business only happens through leverage. And there are only four types of leverage that exist. The first one is is labor. So it's leveraging other people's hands and feet in order to replicate yourself or another team member within the business in order to get more people doing whatever it is that you're doing to, to uh, create value in the, in the, in the world. Uh, because money follows value creation. Mm. Like quite literally, if you create value, money will follow. So leverage through labor is one way to accomplish scale. The second uh, uh, scale uh, environment, second aspect of leverage is um, leveraging code, which is technology. Mm. So I, I, And I do it in this order because you have to first leverage with labor because you need to make sure that your systems and processes are perfected and people do that. So people need to, to perfect the systems <clears throat> and processes. But once you've, once you've done that, then you can layer code or technology systems and software in order to get even greater scale because now you can have technology be the thing that's creating the value in the in the, the, the replication mm-hmm. exactly the third uh, aspect of of leverage is community So going out to your audience and and bringing them in to become part of your marketing enterprise. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if people don't keep you a secret, that's a great thing for any business, right? How many businesses out there listening to this would would love everyone that they know to not keep them a secret when it comes to business? Yeah, like
0: like with Epic Talks, people are constantly reposting and posting and supporting.
1: Yeah, so leveraging your community is is huge. But Mm -hmm. the, the fourth aspect of leverage, that's my favorite. That's capital. That's leveraging Making other money. people's money. Yeah. Leverage other people's money to make money yourself. And there's so many ways to do it. You just have to understand what money is. Money is simply a tool. It's fiat. It's a, a medium of exchange. But it, in and of itself, it, every dollar that you have needs to have a job. So whether you're getting a dollar from the, someone else or you're earning a dollar yourself, you have to put that dollar to work. Mm-hmm. And it should only have one job. It should its job should be Making go make more, more dollars. Yeah, <laughs>
3: um,
1: because if you don't give the dollars you have a job, those dollars will become someone else's employee, mm-hmm. and you don't want that. You want the, those dollars to be your employee. Yes. Um, but the leverage of, of of capital is amazing because it in our in our system, the way we have it right now, if you don't learn this leverage uh, concept through capital, you're the one who's ending up footing the bill. Mm-hmm. Especially when you don't understand the whole tax code, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But money flows um, through action. So Mm -hmm. if you create action, you you do things within business, you create value, you have the ability to to leverage other people's capital. And in doing so, you get economies of scale because more dollars that exist, the more things that, that can happen for you and your business.
0: I love that. So much juicy information. Like, I feel like I could pick your brain all day long. Let me ask you, what is the most common mistake business owners make in their journey? Mm.
1: Again, I, I Money, think it's education. Yeah, it's education. education. So Absolutely, you need to, to understand that there are fundamental laws that exist.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you don't know the, those, that's a problem. See, most people, like, most people think it's, it's what they don't know. That, that's going to hurt them most. You don't
0: know that you don't know that yeah. you don't so know what something.
1: The, yeah, what you don't know will hurt you, right? Mm-hmm. But that's actually not the worst thing. The worst thing is the thing you know to be true that isn't. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's almost impossible to teach a man something he believes he already knows. Yeah. Right? That's Epictetus. So I'm a Stoic, so I believe in the <laughs> not So of explain
2: like, Epictetus I, yeah. because I don't know. So uh,
1: Epictetus was a, a Stoic philosopher. He basically said that he, he came up with many Amazing uh, concepts, but ultimately it's nearly impossible to teach someone that, that, that something that they believe they already know because that area of the brain is full. Yeah. So until you empty that area of the brain and, and understand that you really don't know anything, it's hard to absorb new information. So the, the number one challenge that business owners have is not getting out of their own way. And th- th- I've, I went through this in the beginning of my career. Mm-hmm. I thought I knew everything. Mm. I was completely wrong. I start listening to other people. I start doing well. But then I stagnated. Yep. I, I stayed in that mid-six-figure range for a ridiculous amount of time because I thought now I knew it. Uh-huh. But what I forgot is that I, in order for me to get something new in life, I have to learn something new. I, I have to, to think differently <clears throat> in order to accomplish new things because you're today, where you are today – is a lagging indicator of everything you've been doing in the past.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So your past six Bad months... Bad habits. Exactly. What, how you are today, whether it's in in your financial life, whether it's in your health, whether it's in your relationships, it's because of what's happened over the course of the past six months, mm-hmm. two years, five years, whatever. If you want a different outcome, you have to do, you have something, to do different. something differently. Yeah. You have to think differently. You expose yourself to new thoughts, new ideas. And, new people. And when I was struggling to get through that six six figure mid-six-figure range, I finally got to a point where, oh my goodness, yeah, I forgot. I need to, I need to find new mentors. <laughs> yeah, find people who are even higher than where it was, and then I, that's what I did. I started reaching out to new people who knew new new things that I did not yet know, and then just started implementing. And that's when I was able finally to break into that seven figure range, which. So talking again, about amazing. breaking
0: into the seven-figure, what mm-hmm. mindset shifts do you need to go from six-figure business to a seven-figure business?
1: Well, again, I think it, the mind shift, mindset shift that you need to be able to do is to say, I'm willing to learn. And most people aren't.
0: Mm.
1: They're just not because most people aren't willing to, to do more than just be mediocre. Like, for instance, there's, um, there's this law. It's called Price's Law. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll explain. I'm, I'm going to try and keep it simple. Price it is actually, is law, okay. Yeah, it's actually, it's a bit of a complex topic, but I'm going to keep it simple. It basically says that 50% of the production of any domain, and I'll explain what I mean by that, but any domain is accomplished by the square root of the domain. So, again, it's a complex <laughs> topic. <laughs> Sounds but, like a Elon Musk yeah. formula. But the way Go it ahead. works is this. Let, let's assume that you have four salespeople in your business. Prices law would then say... That 50% of the production of those four people is going to be the square root of four, which would be two. So half of them would produce half of the results. Got it. But if you had 10 people.
0: You would have five. Well, the square root.
1: So if you you have 16, the square root of four. So if you have 16 salespeople, the square root, four people would be responsible for 50% of that production. If you have 100 people in your sales force, 50% of the production would be accomplished by 10 of those people. If you had a thousand, be a hundred of them. So, it, it, it and it's a fundamental principle, and it's a, it actually applies into things across all categories. Like for instance, if you have a, a bunch of, of of if you have four tomato plants, fifty percent will be produced by two of those plants. It's just it's a fundamental it's like law a universal law. Universal law. So, but what this teaches you is that that excellence mm. scales incrementally, but mediocrity scales exponentially.
0: Wow. (sighs) I just got goosebumps. So
1: if you understand (laughs) that, if you understand that that that's the reality of life and all you need to do is make the commitment plus implement discipline within your life to be part of the excellent because the field is small. (laughs) There's not a lot of competition. Like even imagine, we were just talking about like sports a little while ago. Um, Basketball, for instance. There are a lot of basketball players that have existed in history, right? Mm-hmm. But there are only maybe 30, maybe 30 that were excellent, mm-hmm. right? Like truly, truly so cream of the crop. So the reality is if you make make the commitment to yourself and then implement discipline within your life to be excellent, it's not you don't have a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to be the best cake maker, you don't have a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Just do it. If you want to be the best radio show host, you don't actually have a lot of competition. There's a lot of radio show hosts out well, there. Yeah, are. But how many are actually excellent? Uh-huh. Make make the choice to be excellent because you don't have you don't have to you, you, you're not not fighting a lot of people mm-hmm. in order to distinguish yourself.
0: There's a lot of people that would probably be listening right now and saying, "Well, it's easier said than done." Oh, absolutely. Right? How do you how 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 do you get to shift that mindset? For me, what I've noticed is once I make that decision, it's like a flip a switch. Like, once I said, this is what I'm doing for the next 30 days, nothing is going to stop me. That is when I'm the most productive, mm-hmm. when I set a goal. Not like, okay, like, I'm just going to wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock or 5 o'clock. I like waking up at 4.30 in the morning, getting to the gym by 5.30. Like, my my workouts are already done, right? And when I stay consistent with that, because I said I was going to do that for two, three, four weeks... Mm-hmm i have the best weeks
1: Well, i i think there are a lot of things you can do in order to make that happen the first mm-hmm. thing is you have to understand that a goal without a date is just a dream mm-hmm. like so you have to actually Ooh, put Emin time Smith yeah exactly in yeah. his speech
2: at um, a yeah. hall of fame hall of fame exactly
1: yeah. you need you need to put spe- specificity mm-hmm. to goals in yeah. order to make them real goals yeah napoleon then, hill talks about exactly. this exactly yeah. so add specificity the next thing you have to do is you have to do I mean, that's, it just boils down to it. And so that's, that's a discipline issue. Yeah. All outcomes are the product of action. Mm. So if you do not act, you will not get outcome. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, the type of action you do will inform the type of outcome you get. Mm-hmm. So it's the quality of the action, too. So you need to commit to figuring out, well, what should I be doing? Yeah. And the easiest life hack in the world is modeling those who you want to be like just model it because you don't have to impo- you don't have to invent something new you just have to say okay I want to be one of the best I don't know shoe salesmen in the world well <laughs> go find the best shoe salesman in the world and literally do exactly what they do across everything yeah. how do they wake up what are their morning routines like what are their evening routines like what What types of books do they read who do they hang out with what how kind of shoes
2: they sell what kind yeah. of shoes they sell exactly yeah.
1: and you just literally model that behavior and you will get that result it, it, it's it's remarkable and uh, i one of my one of my friends looked at me the other day cuz we were talking about taxes and reducing taxes and i i gave him a few strategies and he looked at me and said edward you're a magician and i said no it's not magic it's math you just have to understand everything in life is math and if you if you know something to be true for someone that means it could be true for you all you need to do is figure out how to reverse engineer it and i talk about that very specifically i talk about things you know to be true like for instance I don't know if it's possible for a human being to get to Pluto because no one's yet done it, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I can't I can't teach you the reverse engineering. Well, someone's steps trying to, to get it. to Mars. Yeah, someone's trying to get to Mars, but no one no one no human has yet set foot there, so so that we know. But at the end of the day, if if your goal is to get to thirty thousand feet. I can reverse engineer that because it happens every day. Mm-hmm. People fly on planes, right? So if it's a possibility, all I need to do is reverse the engine, reverse engineer the steps it takes to get there,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and then you have to be willing to do what it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. The not work. everyone, is, not, <laughs> not everyone is. Yeah, if it's a
2: possibility, yeah. then you have to reverse engineer. Right. So it's a probability,
1: exactly. And then you have to do the reps, right? I mean, this is um, one of our other friends, Christine. Um, she's she's an amazing health. Um, fitness expert and and guide and coach, and we were talking uh, about a month ago, and she was talking about this concept of the reps matter. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to do it. Yep. Like, you you could go to the gym and you can exercise really hard one day, but that's not going to get you the result.
0: Every day. Has you have to, to do it
1: every day for two months. Two to three months. months yeah, four months. In month order for the they're... results to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's where discipline – that's why I said if the if you have to pick one particular character trait, discipline is mm-hmm. the one you want to try to, to, to focus on and, and hone.
0: She posted that today. She's like, discipline equals self-love. Yes. When you love yourself so much that you want to accomplish something for yourself, it's mm-hmm. discipline. And this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to stick to it, and I'm going to tell other people so they can hold me accountable and hold myself accountable. And what do you think um, – this is one of the um, – one of the things that entrepreneurs are lacking, you know, uh, to take their businesses to the seven eight figures, is the the lack of discipline.
1: I, I definitely would say it's it, that's a huge issue. Yeah. Um, I think the other issue is it's just not important enough to them. Yeah. I mean, for for most people, you have to recognize this. Is it important to mm-hmm. you? And if it's not, that's fine. I yeah. mean, I'm not I'm not trying to tell anyone how to live, but yeah. I'm, I'm I am saying if you want to live a certain way. You have to be willing to do certain things, mm. like you. Yeah, it's have like those
2: uh, easier said it done. Exactly. Those people
1: just don't want it. That and much. I'm perfectly fine with that. Like, I, I'm I'm okay with you being mediocre if yeah. that's your choice. If that's
2: your choice. Well,
0: yeah. what do you say are the most basic business skills that six and seven figure business owners don't have?
1: Well, I think the first one is being willing to sacrifice who they are now to become the person they want to actually be.
0: How do you think they were able to get to six figures and seven figures without that?
1: Sometimes it can happen by accident. Yeah, I mean you you can you can create <laughs> such perfection in skill set that the marketplace will pay you money for the skill set you have, but you usually cap out. So the whole solopreneur environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can make money. Mm-hmm. You can definitely make six six figures as a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. I know a ton of solopreneurs who are in the the high actual six mm-hmm. figures. They're one person really doing just one thing. They've perfected their skill set to the point where the the market will trade dollars for that skill set. But the challenge is that's not a real business. Mm-hmm. That's, I know that that's going to rob a lot they're of their people... own physical health. Exactly. Yeah, like they're how... working eighty hours a week. Exactly. Yeah. They
2: could burn out, and yeah. there goes the skill set. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Now. But again, it's all math. In the grand scheme of things, if you want to earn a million dollars, what's the easiest way to earn a million dollars? Do
2: business with someone who makes a million bucks? <laughs> That's one way, but the easiest
1: way is to sell something for a million dollars, yes. one product. The harder way is to sell a hundred things for $100,000 or, 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 <laughs> or $10,000 10, 10, yeah, $10, $10,
0: yeah.
1: and so on and so forth. I mean, it, it all comes down to, to just figuring out what it is you want to do. But if you want to leverage, which I think that That's one of the hallmarks of a real business is that they've engaged in one or more of the four qualities of leverage. If you want to leverage and get scale, you need more than just the business owner. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you need other humans because you can leverage code. Now you have
0: AI, you have, have software. There's so and- <laughs> many different
1: things that, that, that yeah. you, can, you can do, but... Again, it's all. It all boils down to value creation. If you are able to bring value to the marketplace, money follows, mm. and money is in infinitely abundant. Yeah, because I could, I have the ability to just create more value.
2: And our government just threw another one point seven trillion oh, out goodness. there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the,
1: yeah. That's that's definitely. I had like, to bring it back to government. Yeah, you know. The the fiscal <laughs> challenges that exist right now. I, I mean, I'm. I'd sit back and I say, any business owner who's not really figuring out how to to. To create a cash flow machine mm-hmm. for themselves, you are playing with fire because yeah. you could you could feel pretty comfortable knowing that you own a great home that mm-hmm. live in, you have a really nice car, but at the end of the day, if if currency gets evaporated through ongoing inflation and printing money printing activity, like yeah. you're out, you're out.
0: I love you know. how you said that a cash flow. Machine. So, 100%. before we end here, I have two more questions for you. Sure. And um, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this interview. I by love the way. it. This and is fun. I could, <laughs> and it's funny because you're the one always interviewing people, yeah, and I usually. feel so honored that I get to interview Edward Collins from Up Level Entrepreneur. If you guys want to take your life your finances more information on taxes to the next level make sure you follow up level entrepreneur because I'm getting ready to hop on that bandwagon I so love it. I could I love it. Um, scale my business um, and I know you have this passion for uh, helping entrepreneurs but we get before we get to that last question sure. what is more important wealth creation wealth accumulation or wealth protection
1: I actually start first and foremost with wealth protection okay so no one so I've I've been really privileged to be able to to interact with business owners all across the country even outside of the United States for two and a half decades um, now definitely more than that now and I've never come across any single person that wants to have to get wealthy twice
3: Mm -hmm. right like if you're going to eventually
1: build something or you're you're in the process of building it you want to make sure you have the right protections in place Mm -hmm. so that's why like our 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 like main system that we operate under right now is we call it um, the Financial Freedom Blueprint. And that program essentially starts with wealth protection. Like it starts with putting the right framework in place, the right structures in place um, to really safeguard everything in your financial life. And I think that far too few business owners take protecting their wealth seriously. Mm.
3: Um,
1: They are underinsured. They're in an environment where they have no legal structure. I mean, just think about it. Like, the vast majority of businesses that exist in the United States exist without any legal structure at all. Or insurance. Or insurance. Agreed, 100%. So most business owners are sole proprietorships. And that means that their entire personal financial life is subject to the risk associated with that particular business. Mm -hmm. And there are horror stories that exist. But here's the other plague that exists for most people is we, we think of ourselves as superheroes. We think <laughs> we're we invincible and nothing bad will ever happen. Well, I have news for, for you. Mm-hmm. Bad things happen all the time.
2: Yeah, that unpredictable loss you have Absolutely. to fund to survive. Absolutely. So you if you don't have the right – You can see it coming and it happened. You had to fund the mistake.
1: 100%. So if you don't have the right wealth protection systems in place, you are gambling. And I just don't think that's a good way to live life.
0: No. So it's number two.
1: Um, then you have to create wealth.
0: Okay. Wealth creation. Yeah.
1: So you, if you're putting in an order, wealth protection first, then wealth creation. And there's lots of different ways to create wealth. But again, it comes from the concept of understanding some fundamental principles. Like, for instance... it. Financial freedom is usually the thing that, that most business owners like, will key in on. When I'm, whenever I'm giving a talk and I'll, I'll use the phrase financial freedom, everyone like, perks up because I think that most people want financial freedom in their life. I mean, if you have to fight for any freedom in the world, you want to fight for financial freedom because it leads to all other freedoms. It leads to freedom of mobility, freedom of health, freedom of education. Freedom of new
2: income sources.
1: Absolutely, 100%. So <clears throat> how do you actually create financial freedom? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a very, very simple formula and I'll share it, but I here's the thing. I guarantee most people will ignore it because it's so simple. Financial freedom is this. It is free cash flow greater than your daily needs and wants. So if you have free cash flow in your life that is greater than the daily needs and wants, which your daily needs and wants is like literally what you're spending to mm-hmm. live life each and every month. Yeah. If your free cash flow is greater than that, you exist in a state of financial freedom. But mm-hmm. the vast majority of people who achieve that – are achieving it from what I refer to as uh, the perspective of richness, like they are rich. Now, granted, being rich is way better than being poor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> being Please. rich is way better than being poor. Um, but being rich means you are the one who's generating that that free cash flow. You're it's your activity. It's something you're doing. It's your freedom. Exactly. But but I don't want you to be rich. I want you to be wealthy. Being wealthy is existing in that same state of free cash flow greater than daily needs wants, but free cash flow is no longer generated by you as an individual. It's generated by the assets you've accumulated mm-hmm. over life. Yeah. So we talk about um, in wealth creation, in, in our financial freedom blueprint, um, we talk about the concept of, of figuring out how to master this formula and put it into practice. And that comes in that that third pillar, which is wealth accumulation, um, which is what we refer to as compound asset acquisition so in in pillar two which is the wealth creation environment i'm i'm teaching business owners essentially how to plug all of the profit leaks that exist in business because it's remarkable everyone asks me edward how can i make more money i I say well we want to start with you keeping more of the money you're already making Mm -hmm. like so the biggest profit leak tends to be taxation so we talk a lot about tax strategy and there are a ton of, of tax strategies out there i mean there are over 400 tax strategies that exist really for business owners in general. I use about 74 on average a year. That's way overkill. Most people don't need that. Um, it, the The fundamental five, there are five foundational um, tax strategies I think every single business owner should have. In fact, they apply to every business. doesn't matter if you're a butcher a baker or a candlestick maker. The, these <coughs> fundamental five work across the board. But you have to do them. You have to put them into the practice. But if I teach you how to save more money, meaning if – but for the knowledge that I give, you would have given more money to the IRS. So if, if I didn't teach you this, you would have given it to the IRS. If I teach you this and you keep it, I want to teach you what to do with it because I don't want you to use the money that you're saving now to go out and buy liabilities, which is what most or people big, do. Or a big birthday party. Or a big birthday party. Consume <laughs> it. They elevate lifestyle. Uh, there's plenty of time for that. What I'd rather you do with that savings is figure out how do I acquire an asset with it or, or a series of assets mm-hmm. with it. And- over time each and every year now you have more and more cash flow you have more and more because if you're acquiring assets those assets again remember my definition it's something you control that generates cash flow mm-hmm. so now it's your your business plus another asset that's generating cash flow and then i layer on more tax saving strategies which means at the end of year two you have even more money to buy more assets mm-hmm. and over time over 10 years you accumulate 15 or 20 different assets. Mm-hmm. That absolutely replaces your need to to work now it's all about choice because that's what financial freedom really is mm-hmm. it's about having choice do i need to, to go to work do i need to do x y and z or do can i just choose not to mm-hmm. i mean we my family and i we went away at the end of the year um we went to uh the maldives for a couple weeks then we went to uh, we ended up celebrating christmas there then we end up uh, going to uh, dubai afterwards and we were there for a few weeks and we celebrated the new year there and um I was gone for multiple weeks at a time. I did not check any business emails or anything like that. Turn off your phone. uh, I literally, I just enjoyed time with my family. You deserve
0: that, yes.
1: But it happened because I put the right systems in place. And we've acquired over our lifetime multiple businesses that we own. We own real estate, we own residential, commercial, we own property management companies. We've invested over our life. And then a lot of people will say, Edward, I'm not there yet. Well, you. You just need to make a choice, mm-hmm. choose to become here, to get here. Mm-hmm. You have to act. You have to do. You have to <laughs> to say, okay, what am I going to start doing today, and then tomorrow, and then next week, and next month, and next year to get to the whatever the goal is for you. Mm-hmm. But again, set the deadline. Yes. What what are the what are the due dates for the <laughs> things that need to get get done in order to get the uh, get the. The outcomes that you desire
0: absolutely that's the number one key right there is making that decision and yes. just making it happen I want to acknowledge you because uh, you have a true passion for helping entrepreneurs and um, I know you're an extremely busy man and and you have multiple businesses and anytime I've had a question you've actually taken the time to either call me or have a meeting with my team so I just want to acknowledge you for who you be who you are how much you've impacted my life in the short amount of Of time, And I wanted to ask you this final question. Why do you focus and why are you so passionate on helping, you know, entrepreneurs that they want to focus on loving financial freedom, helping others? Why do you focus on that?
1: Because I just think that the people are so much better at improving society than government is. Mm. And if I can help.
2: We have
1: another moment. If I can help. If I can help financial freedom in the lives of more entrepreneurs out there that means there are more people who are on my team yes and again i I just think that the government is not a good steward of mm-hmm. the resources that we give it each and every year mm-hmm. and I just think you you as an individual business owner are so much better with dealing with your money mm-hmm. and putting it to work locally within your own community
0: um, people over government <laughs> you you you
1: take care of the things you you have way better than anyone else will Mm. so why would i give why would i want to personally give that to someone who's not even local to me doesn't even know my name yes um to make decisions with it that i would never have chosen chosen to make with with my own money like it's just ridiculous and the 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 fact that there is no financial literacy requirement to become a representative in any government let alone (laughs) our own yeah um that's telling yeah. Because that that just means that the people who are making the decisions are not necessarily the ones who are best equipped to do so.
0: I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. It's
1: definitely been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Yes, absolutely. And where can people find you?
1: They can pretty much find me across all of the social media platforms. Uh, my Instagram is at EdwardCollins underscore up leveled. Um we, you can find me with the same handle on TikTok, YouTube. Uh, we have multiple channels. Uh, we have Entrepreneur Unleashed, which is our podcast where we sit down and have conversations with uh, other business owners. Uh, we have another channel on YouTube, which is called Uplevel Entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I just literally teach a subject. My, my team will ask me a particular question, and then I'll just teach a subject, teach that subject for the day. Um, all of that, everything that I just shared is free. Our, our Facebook account is Uplevel Entrepreneur LLC. Um, And we just give out free information because, again, I I just believe in in trying to give as much as I possibly can um, and hopefully make people better for it.
0: There you go. So there's no excuses. You want to up-level your business, take your business from six figures to seven figures, from seven to eight, learn about tax strategy, keeping more money to yourself instead of giving it to the government. Um, You have a free platform with this amazing human being. So much knowledge that he shared today. And And
1: if you're uh, interested in getting a free class, I also have a free class up right now. It's called thefinancialfreedomblueprint.com. So it's the... T-H-E, They go in that, and I just talk about tax strategies and, and such. So if you're a business owner in the United States and you're tired of, of tipping the IRS,
0: <laughs> tipping the IRS,
1: um, definitely check it out.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. And I will see you tonight at Epic Talks. Talks. For those of you listening, Epic Talks is the number one entrepreneurship monthly event here in South Florida where you get to connect with other amazing uh, individuals, business professionals. And every single month we have different speakers on different topics. And tonight is Epic Talks Presents the Future of Artificial Intelligence. So it's going to be at 7 p.m. at the Savoy Hotel in South Beach. And I look forward to seeing you all there at epictalksmiami.com. Awesome.
1: Thanks
3: so much.
0: Thank you.